celebrating four years of quality and excellence. This is the fourth anniversary episode of Grit and Glitter, a weekly podcast dedicated to the power of women's wrestling for the fourth year in a row. My name is Harley Vasquez. My name is Empire. We're joined this week by Glitterati member Lindsay Baker. Hey! And it's back to school month here at Grit and Glitter, so all this month we are making a concerted effort to make some new friends this week. We are joined, and there's a typo here, it's, this says we are joined by a librarian from Pittsburgh named Emily. That's you. We've already got one of those. No, um, we actually, we have a second one now. I, uh, I'm i tired of being the only um, Emily Pittsburgh librarian on this podcast. I feel like I'm like shouldering a lot. So I brought in another uh, Pittsburgh librarian named Emily to help like, you know, carry this burden. So, uh, Emily, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. I am so happy to be here. I know very little about wrestling, but I do like to talk, so I think it'll be fine. And this week, you don't need to know very much about wrestling. (laughs) (laughs) I do like TV, so I feel like uh, I was right in my wheelhouse. (laughs) This week, in honor of our fourth anniversary, our own personal glow-up, we're watching the original pilot episode of the classic, infamous 1980s series, Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. I am, I can't believe we've gone four years without ever watching this. Well, yeah, and it's funny that we, because anyone who has subscribed to our Patreon knows that the now on semi-permanent hiatus um, spinoff podcast that we were doing, Grit, Glitter, and Glow, did cover the original Glow. We didn't talk about the pilot episode. We haven't talked in depth about the you know original Glow series, but we dived into the history and we even talked a lot at um, length about like the documentary that was made about the original series. So like we have talked in and around it. We've covered Wow a number of times. Thanks especially to Lindsay. Um, we have. Glow gets repeatedly referenced throughout the history of our podcast and probably most podcasts that have to do with women's wrestling. But yeah, we really have a dedicated time on the flagship Grit and Glitter podcast to talk about the original Glow series, which we've long intended. I think in our planning document, it's one of the things that has been on there since the beginning. I went into our episode guide and did the did the old control F because I was like, we must have done this like two years ago and I just forgot. And no. No, we haven't. So the big the big reason that I thought now would be a good time is uh, this weekend. This Saturday is the season premiere of season nine of WOW Superheroes. WOW Superheroes, David McLean's current project, has now lasted a lot longer than Glow ever did, his first project. But there is that lineage. Uh, one might argue that Chantilly Shella wouldn't walk if it weren't for Pepper or Vine. Excuse me. Well, okay, well, there's some interesting stuff about Pepper, but uh, uh, in- uh, but to clarify, friend of the show, Chantelle Show. Sometimes a pair of a dollar in your head, I kind of wish you would say, at least I thought of what I said. Every couple weeks, it's like the song is on repeat, I kind of wish you would say, that you don't want to mess with me, because I am in the skeleton, and my blood is clearly... All right, uh, I don't even know where to start with 
Risk. Why don't you give us a little bit of the history that led to the formation of Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling? I don't even know if I want to call it a promotion. It's more of, it was just like a show. It was like American Gladiators. It was just like a weekly show. Well, okay, kind of. Um, so there's a lot to go into. And like, honestly, I'm going to do kind of an abbreviated version and not like go into the hyper specifics because I really just want to talk about this pilot episode. Um, but Glow was founded by David McLean, who, like you see in this episode, in abundance because he is a world class ham. And he also was a like big proponent of women's wrestling. Um, so he co-founded this in 1985. Um, he got his start as an announcer and commentator with World Wrestling Association, owned by Dick the Bruiser. And he was working out of Indianapolis, Indiana. And he like just genuinely believed, based on the success of women's wrestling in Japan and following some of like the notable things that ha- were happening over there with all Japan women's pro wrestling, he just he believed that women's wrestling in America could take. A, a big hold and he believed that like a dedicated women's wrestling tv show was the future of pro wrestling and he kind of he had the intention to focus on women's wrestling with it and then when the deal for the pilot got made he it, it blended in the more like sports entertainment slash variety show aspects that have come to kind of really characterize glow but david mclean Believe it or not, despite being like a world class ham and enjoying seemingly enjoying his time like on camera, um, he really did want the show to focus more on in ring action than on like the skits and stuff that ended up being kind of what the show is known for. Um, low wrestlers were primarily not wrestlers. Most people don't understand this. Um, there were a lot of actresses, models, dancers, and stunt performers. They answered a casting call, and after you know a whittling down process, they began a six-week training process at a like like just you know L.A. gym um, under the direction of one of the members of the Guerrero family, Mando Guerrero. And yeah, that's how they kind of got. That's how it kind of got started. Um, they they trained for six or so weeks. They eventually like filmed the pilot um, from there. They were moving the women into the hotels. And that's that's the set kind of stuff that you can see more in depth in the Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling documentary, which I highly recommend. You can get it on Hoopla for, for free with your library card and other streaming services. Um, but that's kind of where the, the genesis of the promotion began the, the show. And at the time that they filmed this pilot episode, we're about eight months out from WrestleMania one which obviously women's wrestling a huge part of that with Cindy Lauper and Wendy Richter and all that. I don't know how much David was influenced by that, but I'm sure all of that played a factor in the show getting picked up and getting a syndicated TV contract. I'm 100% sure of it. And the fact that this pilot comes out, I believe, so when was WrestleMania 1? March 85. The, okay. This pilot episode was filmed December 5th, 1985, although it doesn't air until September 86, nine months later. Yeah, because it was introduced at the NATPE convention in 1986. So, like, that's where it went into syndication, like 30 different markets bought it. So that makes entire sense because that would have been following the success of WrestleMania 1. And that would have, like, that would have been an easy capture for these, like, a, an easy way to capture these these markets' attention. Be like... This is a really major success for WWE. Here's women's wrestling specifically, an hour format, et cetera. It's got like ladies, it's got it's got fun, it's got music, it's got everything. It's it's and you can kind of even see that in that pilot in the pilot episode. Now the pilot episode 
when you look at later episodes of Glow, this one looks so much more like a wrestling show than what Glow ends up being. Like, further down the line, especially seasons three and four, when McLean and a lot of the core, like, the original cast leave. So, but still, you get the music montages. You get that music video feel. And that's what Sidney Lauper was adding into WrestleMania, like, adding into WWE at the time. And that was a big influence in, in rest for WrestleMania 1. So, yeah, you can really see why there were, like, syndication channels who were eager for this. Lindsay, you're an expert on the McLeanverse. Have we left out any any uh, real crucial information that we need to know and uh, bring up before we get into episode one? No, no, you guys pretty much nailed it. Um, there was, um, coincidentally, I don't know when she came in, but there was a character named MTV, and it was just like <laughs> your quintessential 80s chick, and she's like, yeah, I'm a VJ, and she was essentially just kind of like a Cindy Lauper recolor. Um, so I think that's really, I, I didn't make that connection earlier of this riding off the coattails of WrestleMania, but that really makes it click. <laughs> okay, so they record it December 5th, 1985 at the Riviera Hotel and Casino in beautiful Las Vegas. David McLean is producer, host, commentator, star, the only dude on the show other than some security guards. <laughs> and... Wow, yeah, where do we start? Where do we start with the gorgeous ladies of wrestling? We have... The voiceover. Yes, we have Patti LaBelle uh, performing her hit song, New Attitude. This is played multiple <laughs> times throughout the episode during oh various homage seg- segments. Multiple, multiple, multiple times that I'm thinking, like, they must have paid a fortune for this because is, is there any other... Well, aside from, like, from our beat-loving Matilda song, like... We don't get really any other like pseudo licensed music. So they must have paid a lot just for the rights to use this one song. And so they're like, yeah, this is just the song that's going to be in the show this hour. This is the only real song. Yeah. And it's never used again, but it's just like so beautiful. Like it just captures the entire zeitgeist of it. Like that synthesizer opening and then Cornball McLean comes in like, hello, it's David McLean production. Oh God, it's wonderful. So they they use the song in this episode and then never again. Is that what you're saying? Never again. Never okay. again. Because <laughs> I I figured it was just the theme song for the show because it was just constant through the entire episode. I mean, the first like ten minutes. I don't know if it was actually that long. It felt like ten minutes. It of, is. It is. Of the of the show was just like almost like a music video. And they're all, you know, they're all just like turning around and like posing and showing, you know, it's not even wrestling. It's just like introducing every single like girl. Um, like it's the beginning of the the nineties X-Men uh cartoon you know they're showing their power to the to the song (laughs) no it really is and then it's funny because they um end up ditching it entirely for the glow rap which is Mm -hmm. just like that little like my name's dead and i'm here to say i'm here to dog dead in a major way it's just that like but just like changed for whatever the girl's gimmick is it's incredible yeah so if you haven't watched uh several episodes of glow (laughs) many episodes of glow uh pretty much all of the characters have raps even though most of the characters have no business really having a rap they have a rap anyway because that's just 
that becomes like a part of the the glow, uh, the the overall texture of glow is that no matter your character, no matter what your like your gimmick or your storyline is, you have a rap song. This is it's funny because in this version of the pilot that we watched, there was a rap in this episode, but it is left out of the tape version, which is the one that we watched. So we should have seen Ashley Cartier performing a rap, but we we don't because of this this edited version. Well, we we saw the meat song. Yeah, that's a okay kind of a rap. It's a is it a it, it, it's just, is she, there's some rapping, there's some raw meat rapping involved. I was digging it. I mean, McLean loves rapping women. That's like one of his things. He works that into wow. Like I don't know, he likes that, and he likes when women are given gifts from their grandmothers that mean a lot to them and have like mm-hmm. a lot of symbolism that he loves to beat into the ground. He's mm-hmm. a visionary. <laughs> He really likes, um, I mean, he likes his broad gimmicks, right? Like, he likes his, like, high-concept gimmicks of just, like, this is a farmer's daughter versus a Hollywood girl. <laughs> because even WoW is basically still that. Like, oh, yeah, absolutely. There's some, like, modern stereotypes of twi- like, thrown in. But, like, still, it's, it's basically, like, glamour girl versus backwoods baby. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that whole like superheroes thing they have tacked onto WoW is very funny to me because none of them like kind of do it. Like Kita Rush wears a cape, but that's it. She's not a superhero. She just is teaches jujitsu in her spare time. <laughs> so episode one, our our first four minutes is an homage set to New Attitude by Patty Bell with. Uh, shots of various women some of them get some lines spoken at no point is it indicated who's who during his opening montage i like that i like that we just get these random women we don't know any of their names or who they are we run down the lineup for tonight which as david points out is three tag matches and then a championship match very bold choice to put three tag matches on your first episode because you put four women in the ring you've never seen before it's hard to keep track who's who but I guess if none of them can really wrestle, you're hoping four people will help cover for each other. True, true. Yeah. Uh, the very first line, really, the first characterization for any woman in the promotion is, who we'll find out later is Matilda, just looking at the camera and saying, I eat raw meat. She's like my hero. I love her so she- much. She's amazing, and if you haven't watched the Glow documentary, the documentary, it's like I cry every time. I I maybe have broken record on this. You have to watch it. It's so good. It's not very long. I think it's like not even an hour and a half long. Um, But Matilda is like all over it, and you come to find out that like not only this was made years and years ago, so I don't know what the situation is now, but like she obviously doesn't have the mobility that she had back then. She doesn't have like the physical uh, um, capabilities that she had back then, but she was basically still wrestling at the time of the documentary. And you see her like basically like wrestling senior citizens and it's, it's just fantastic. It's, it's absolutely, she, she is deservedly a hero. Mm-hmm. It, she died a couple years ago, I think. Yeah. And I want to say like 2018, or something. She has a book that I really want to get and read because she seems fascinating. She died, actually, she died just in 2022. She died January 7th, 2022. 
I think, I, and I remember, I remember that because at one point we covered, we covered an all Japan women's event that utilized some glow wrestlers. I believe it was an all Japan women's event that utilized glow wrestlers. And in the weirdest way, there was a Matilda the Hun, but it wasn't the actual Matilda the Hun. It was a different wrestler who was a different glow affiliated wrestler who was going under that name. Or maybe it was Matilda and she was being referred to by another glow wrestler's moniker. Oh, that's, I forget that's vaguely it. familiar now. Yeah. Yes. I remember this. And that I remember it being right around the same time we were talking about this as when um, Deanna Boer or Matilda Hun had, had passed. Sorry, deep cut. <laughs> yes, she has passed away. So we run down all the matches for tonight. We get brief comments from uh, not everybody, but from different women. We'll get into those as we talk about each match individually because uh, it's too good. Um, do you think if, but brief note on those comments because this is going to come up when we talk about the specific ones. They give all these women like quaaludes before they film their promos because all the promo segments are like delivered in this like really weird laid back style. It's just like she's gonna through the day that she came into. I wrestling was ring. typing them up so furiously. They're incredible. <laughs> all right, we'll get to it. So we get this uh, montage. We run down the lineup for tonight's show, and then we get some brief promos from everybody. The whole thing ends with um, David interviewing Tammy, trying to interview Tammy outside of the theater as she arrives. Matilda shows up. There's a big brawl. Security comes in. They separate them. That's the big hook for tonight. It's Matilda the Hun versus Tammy Jones for the Glow Crown. Now we're in the arena. We go to our opening contest, Take Team Action, Royal Hawaiian and Spanish Red. Royal Hawaiian is from Hawaii. Spanish Red is from Latin America. Taking on California Doll, who's obviously from California, and Americana, who's from somewhere in America. Um, <laughs> the Americana in this is pretty incredible because she actually does the red, white, and blue, unlike the one in WoW, which is just like a Santana Garrett recolor. <laughs> I love it. Americana's the one who says, referring to Royal Hawaiian, that she looks like a pineapple. Who's the one who says... I love ice cream. Every all-American girl should have a banana split a week, Americana. preferably in red, white, and blue. That's Americana, baby. They use that what clip is the like blue? four times. What's blue in your ice cream? Your ice cream split. Um, she's got well, white blueberries. Is... Yeah. Oh blueberry, right. blueberry? That blueberry syrup stuff they do. Blue, blue yeah. sprinkles. Um, that weird Superman ice cream. Yeah, that was around when we were kids. I don't know if they still make it. I don't even know what flavor that was supposed to be. A banana split with that sounds so gross. Oh, yeah. But it would be very American. The most American. (laughs) Yeah, you should be you. You ladies should be eating one of those once a week. I do. If you you truly cared about America. On Sunday. (laughs) My Sunday. Every Sunday after church. Uh Uh-huh. You know. I sit under American flag and I eat my banana split and I think about America. So David tells us our and opening also, contest is a grudge match. And I'm like, how? <laughs> That's exactly what I wrote down. It's, I was like, this is the first episode. How? It's the first match in the promotion's history. How is it a grudge match? 
uh, hyper- like, like hyperbole is his language. God, that's I. I just I cannot get enough of David McQuaid's like just hyper fanboy energy. Yeah, no, it's it's in full effect here, and I love it. Like when he's talking about Spanish Red, and he's like, "She likes anything hot. She likes hot peppers." peppers. And he just completely said like, that. What? Yeah, he's like, she likes things that are hot, hot peppers and hot sauce. And I'm like, what is that? A, is that an entendre? What are you doing, David? There were a lot of entendres on this show. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it was very. Uh, it was a little extra horny. Um, <laughs> I felt like we were entering in his old yeah. age. <laughs> yeah, Wow is not quite as honestly. Wow kind of suffers for like kind of being not horny enough. Yeah, he um he gets off the chain once in a while, but they've really reined him in, and it is one of the things I like about WoW, but I gotta say, like, once in a while, a drunk Uncle McLean moment is really what it needs. <laughs> it brings out the wrestling. So, again, we've got these four women, we've got the very basics, like, we know where they're from. That's about it. And my understanding, as the bell rings to start the match, is that Royal Hawaiian and Spanish Red are the baby faces. Because they're both like, you know, we're from America too, and we're like proud of that. On one, you have them on the one side of the ring. On the other side of the ring, you have Americana, who says, "Speak English." I'm like, okay, so she's the heel, right? But it's 1986. So I don't know what the rules are. I'm, pr- I'm actually weirdly progressively. I do think that Americana and California Doll were supposed to be the, the heels in this match. I thought ca- by the end of the match, I was like, California Doll is the only baby face in the match. Yeah, the Spanish Red and them cheat, but maybe oh, it's like out of, you know, love of the game. And I'm on their side. <laughs> yeah, because they're Royal Hawaiian and Spanish Red are doing a bunch of double team moves to California Doll. Like they put her leg on the bottom rope and they're jumping up and down on it. And uh, it's in my nose. David, yeah, they slam California Doll face first in the mat repeatedly. And she's, California is like, most of the selling in this match is her. Like the this match goes 14 minutes, and let's say at least eight minutes is California Doll just just getting beat, just getting double teamed, getting worked over, over and over. David does call out Spanish Red for cheating when she's pulling some hair, but Americana is clearly not a babyface. Yeah, no, Americana is not a babyface. It's interesting about California Doll because this is like California Doll is a regular character on Glow for the first two seasons, but this is not the woman who plays her. Um, this was Linda Alden who like she was a fitness model and this is the only time she'll be on here. So it was kind of interesting to see like the fact that like she's in this match a lot and taking a lot of punishment and like a very big focal point of this tag match. And this is the only time you'll see Linda Alden as California Doll. The rest of the time, she's played by Jane Hamlin. Maybe she just got too too beat up in this first match to continue. It felt like they were hitting each other really hard sometimes. And I maybe it was just because a lot of them are really slender. I'm like, oh, mm. no, man. <laughs> yeah, this was our first glimpse of kind of like what the glow style of wrestling looks like there's a lot of arm drags a lot of uh hair tosses snap mares like all variations of i'm just gonna like chuck you 
across the ring. <laughs> Not even like clotheslines or drop kicks, which you would think are like the basic wrestling templates. Yeah, but wait, hold on though, because if you remember, like, let's go back to what we know about women's wrestling in WWE at this point. Yeah, they're, they're, they're all wrestling like Moolah. They're they're all wrestling like Moolah, and so it's it's like it's it's hair pulling and it's like kicks to the midsection and it's it's not things like drop kicks and stuff. That's not going to come along for another like that's not going to come along for another like few years or so. So this style is actually they are going a little bit harder than what you're going to see with any given women's match on WWF on in the WWF. And we do get a big slow motion spear from Spanish Red to California Doll in the corner. It just all the, the match all of a sudden just goes into slow motion. The bits and pieces of these matches where it suddenly like breaks into like slow motion or like where there's a promo like during the match you're watching, it's just it's so weird and disorienting. I don't know why, because it shouldn't really be. Like you get recaps and stuff in other forms of sports nowadays, but like for whatever reason, watching it suddenly like dive into slow motion and music kick in, just really, I, I couldn't, I couldn't quite get back into the match once it would happen. It would like, it would end the match for me. To me, it felt like they reshot it, like maybe without an audience. <laughs> like, there's just like certain spots they like reshot in the empty hotel. And we're like, yeah, we'll use this as a close up. We'll cut this in later. <laughs> Yeah, it it absolutely did not work for me when the whenever they did the slow motion stuff, I it it broke my suspension of disbelief. Like what little tiny bit that I had is <laughs> like, no, guys, you don't need to do that. Like, I don't know if maybe the moves just didn't look as cool as they were hoping and they needed they felt like they needed to do that to make it look better. Like. Or they didn't trust that they would come across on camera, or they just thought it was a cool trick. I don't know. Like, but it just it looked it was beyond goofy. It, it took it past like fun to just like mm, no, no, you don't do that. <laughs> that's not that's not necessary. Yeah, I thought it's the opposite. I thought the idea was like, oh, what a huge, devastating move. We're gonna do it in slow motion to really show you the impact of her shoulder. Hitting her in the guts. Yeah, same Z's. Like, and I feel like it was also like an early '80s, like you know, video editing, and they're like, "Whoa, look what we can do!" I mean, yeah, sure, give me a star wipe. <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden it turns into like the black and white from the uh, Take on Me music video. I'll, I'll take that, but the slow motion just, I don't know, for whatever, and then they, like, zoom in and stuff, and it just didn't, it felt too much like they were making a movie and not enough, like, a televised uh, sports event, which, as we all know, wrestling is just simply sports and nothing else. Definitely not entertainment. <laughs> The little inset promos that pop up are really interesting because it's not the way that some other promotions do it where we would cut to like a 30 second promo from this wrestler explaining like where they stand in the storyline and what's going on. We'd get like in the course of this match, I feel like we got, you know, Royal Hawaiian popped up like three times, said like one thing and then went away and then popped up again later <laughs> and said something else like late in the match. Royal Hawaiian, who it's unclear if her and Spanish Red are supposed to be faces or heels at this point, 
she pops up in a little promo window box and she just starts shit talking California doll and starts shit talking women from California and how they care so much about their hair and how they're all blonde. And then it just like, boop, it's gone. And then the match continues. Yeah, all the talking heads rule. It's like they're all like being sedated. (laughs) Nobody has any enthusiasm. It's incredible. Like, Lindsay, you said you wrote down some quotes. Can you do your best impression of one of these promos? Yes, let me unmute my mic. Okay. Um, let me see. Um, okay. I'm going to sink my teeth into her. I'm going to do it. They want me to send her flowers? Maybe when she dies, after I'm through with her, I'll send her flowers. Maybe. I love to eat. Anything I can get my mouth on. And then I think it was... uh. <laughs> Hollywood. I didn't get the whole thing where it's like, oh, they think they're glamour girls. They think they're per- they think they're pretty and perfect. We think they suck. We think they're sluts. Like that one made me like ugly laugh out loud. Like each time I hear it, I like hoot and holler. It's incredible. She also says like the f word like twice. I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll, this we'll, a- yeah, we'll get to the Hollywood promo because that one blew my mind. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll put a pin in that. Okay, so for like 12 minutes into your opening contest, I'm thinking this is going way longer than I'm expecting. Literally, so I said this was filmed in December 85. It airs September 13th, 1986. We're about five months out from WrestleMania 2. WrestleMania 2 was Moolah versus Velvet McIntyre. The match went 57 seconds. That's it. So this match is going like 14 minutes long. I'm like, this is insane. It's going so long. Everything breaks down. Everybody's in the ring. The referee appears to have just given up. He's not even trying to get the legal people out of the ring. At this point, I'm thinking, like, we're probably not going to get a finish. There's probably not going to be a pinfall. They're just going to, like, be fighting and then just, like, walk away and they'll go to commercials and that'll be it. But no, we get an actual finish. Royal Hawaiian goes up top. She hits a top rope splash. I believe they called it the Hawaiian Crush to California Doll, and World Hawaiian gets the pin in 14 minutes and two seconds. Honestly, I cannot believe how long this match goes on. California Doll is really the only one, arguably, on the whole show, who sells for, like, a, a decent length of time. Every other match, like, somebody gets beat on for, th- for like, five minutes, and they get up, and they just start fighting back, and, like, nobody's, like, doing long-term selling, really. Yeah, it's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm very curious about the woman who played California Doll only ever filming this one. Like, I'm wondering if she, like, genuinely got hurt. All right, our second match on the show is Salt and Pepper teaming up to take on Sarah and Mabel. I, again, you, you got people with names like Tina Ferrari and Matilda the Hun, and then you got Sarah. It's a bad reference. Yeah, and Mabel. And Mabel. <laughs> Mabel. Presumably solely chosen so that their initials would be S and M. yeah, even though it doesn't really match their gimmick. Because yeah. what their, what's their gimmick supposed to be? What yeah. they're supposed to be like but, hicks or something. But they yeah. come up they come up with yeah, chains. And and like bass. Like ba- yeah. bags over their heads. Bags over their Dad heads. Has. Yeah. Which is yeah. Which they like clearly is like modeled kind of after like clan. 
I actually had, so I had never seen this pilot episode when I watched the like Netflix glow and in the first season of Netflix glow, when they go to do like a test in front of audience, in front of a, their first ever like live audience, they like, there's a whole plot maneuver where like two of the wrestlers basically convince a tag team to like come out as clan members. And I didn't realize that that was a little bit more grounded in the history of glow than, than the, of the original glow than I, than I thought. I thought it was just purely, purely fictional, but yeah, then we you know here we are pilot episode got essentially like really racist characters who are the heels here. Um, using racial slurs, which apparently don't don't make it to the the actual broadcast. Yeah, so of all the women who appear on this episode, the only one with wrestling experience is Pepper. At this point in time, she's a 16-year veteran. She's been wrestling in the AWA as Princess Jasmine since 1970. Yeah, and this will be this is their only appearance in Glow. Um, under the hoods of Sarah and Mabel, it's Royal Hawaiian and Ashley Cartier doing double duty. No way! I had no idea. Yeah, they're uh, they just Hawaiian. they just got them to wrestle twice because they wanted more characters. It happens all the time in, in lucha culture, actually. Yeah, it definitely does. Um, and it sure was fun to like, you know, go from playing like, you know, this the the put upon minority in a match to the like racist, racist redneck in another match um is it pepper who says the food is great in africa and the men's are nice there too yes i love that yeah. yeah in the most american accent ever i'm like you've you've never been to africa <laughs> like except for maybe on vacation <laughs> i was so distracted by her um like baby blue eyeshadow in that in that promo it just the men's are, are so good. The men's are, are I, nice. I couldn't decide if she got an accent later on, like in the scene where they're fighting over the clothing, which is a great trope. I love like the glow house. That's how I picture every wrestling federation. <laughs> they have everyone live in this big house together where they all have like beds with like their initials carved into the headboard. <laughs> that's, what, that, that's the same thing on Hulk Hogan's like Rock and Wrestling, the cartoon show. They all yeah, they all like live yeah. in a motel together and they're all like roommates. Yeah, yeah. But they're yeah. fighting and there's like an accent and I'm like, oh, okay. But it's cool. Like I liked salt and pepper. I have my notes. Who says I'm into necks? That's salt. Yeah. Acting yeah. Little, she likes to wrap her. Yeah. Yeah. It's oh my god. Those two promos back to back. She always like salt has all these like weird like lusty animalistic ones. Salt? Well, I guess, you know, Pepper does, too. She likes Salt the men. Like, Salt is solely talking about, like, taking, like, young women and, like, destroying them. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to feel here. She's an animal in the ring. She's just like, I would make them vulnerable and, and break their bones. And I like breaking them down. I'm just like, is this supposed to intimidate me? Because I think I'm having, an like, a different reaction than intended. So we see... Salt and Pepper in their bedroom um, fighting with each other because somebody bored somebody else's clothes without asking. I know enough about women to know that this happens all the time. So very David drawn from real life here. Oh, my gosh. It's just like such a thing. Oh, wow. We are always fighting about clothes. 
Mm-hmm. I was in a sorority and I mean, it was every other day, like just people having pillow fights and screaming because someone took somebody's shirt. So realistic. <laughs> Not to get too far off base, but he still does this in WoW and yep. Like, right at the end, you hear AJ McClain, like, start to have none of it. Because, like, he'll be like, you think this wrestler's jealous of this other wrestler, AJ? And she'll be like, I think it's it's distilling down a woman's emotions to just jealousy is belittling David. And he's like, wow, okay, back to the grabs. So. So Salt and Pepper make their entrance for a scheduled tag match against S&M. But... They get in the ring, they're still bickering about the clothing situation. They just start brawling with each other. And it seems like we might get a singles match here with the partners instead of a take match. But no, all of a sudden, there's somebody, presumably either Sarah or Mabel, wearing like just like a blue sweatshirt, but it was like a potato sack on their head. It's definitely like KKK reminiscent, but it literally just looks like a potato sack. Yes. Yeah, that was my thought. I was just like, oh, they're just like generic sackhead people. Um, they're in the later seasons of Glow, too, and they give them overalls, but one has a red shirt and one has a green shirt, so they just look like Mario and Luigi with sacks on their head. It's very funny to me. I, I mean, I immediately clocked Clan, but it might, it might also be because I have seen that, you know, that whole plot in in the netflix glow so it might have just been like already imprinted in my brain it definitely is i think that's definitely the implication i'm just a little naive (laughs) well because one of them whoever it is sarah or mabel they make a comment towards salt and pepper in the ring i didn't write it down what it was did anybody um i do but it was the racial slur and then she called the white girl a honky which is fine i'm white we can you can call me a honky (laughs) And that um, makes Salt and Pepper realize that this is bigger than their differences over clothing, and they have to team up to take down the people with the bags on their heads. Yeah, and so then Sarah and Mabel hit the ring. They both have chains, and they just start just start whipping people and choking them with chains. Um, there's no bell. I don't. Cage match says this was a match. I don't know if there was like a start and finish. This felt just like a segment because people are getting whipped with chains, choked with chains. They're brawling around the ringside. We get a sweet slow motion shot of Pepper getting clobbered with a steel chair. And then she's fine two seconds later. (laughs) Salt puts Mabel through a table. Mabel through a table, folks. This is not this is not your it's not your grandmother's glow. Um yeah, they they get like a count out. Like it's just like they get beat down and then it's like, wow, salt and pepper wins. (laughs) And I'm like, I wasn't really sure how. I thought maybe I missed a a quick pin or something, but there's the threat of the count out for being outside the ring because Sarah or Mabel was just standing there. I think Mabel was all in black and had like a cheetah thong on. But (laughs) and Sarah was the green shirt. But yeah, like they was like, oh, you're going to get counted out. You're going to get counted out. And then um, Mabel got put through a table and that was that. Lesson learned. I was shocked how fast it was, especially because the first one was so long. Actually, in my notes, I wrote down this is still going on like three times uh, for the first match. And then this one, I think I looked down to write something down. And I looked up and I was like, oh, it's it's over. Oh, OK. Mm-hmm. 
Like, <laughs> the pacing just felt weird between the two. Yeah, because this isn't, I mean, especially since this really isn't a match. Like, this just, it it, it feels like, it, it feels like, a, it feels like it shouldn't have actually been counted as a match at all. It should have just been, like, a brawl and then done. But, like, it is counted as a legitimate match. And, like, yeah, Salt and Pepper are the winners. But it, like, it's via countout, I guess? That's what, that's what Keith says, friends yeah. Again. Mm-hmm. Uh, the more important story here is a th- friendship. That it's a little sapphic, which I like. And yeah, we know. established that we have a team called S&M. Ahead of our next match, it has a team called TNA. Yeah. Oh my god, I didn't wow. even catch that one. That's so obvious. <laughs> I didn't catch that one either. Wow, McLean. So, officially, Salt and Pepper back on the same page. Can they coexist? Yes, if it means being up racist and putting them through tables. I mean, we can learn a lesson from that, I believe. Amen. Let's put our petty differences aside and beat up racists and put them through tables. And then go somewhere with, with some men's. Some, some, some men's. There's that little, like, slurp she does. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> Our third match. It's another take match, folks. This time it is Hollywood and Vine with their aunt, Kitty. Who's aunt? Hollywood's aunt? Kitty's? Vine's aunt? Or Hollywood and... She's just an aunt. Are Hollywood and Vine's sisters or cousins? Well, Aunt Kitty will be, like, the heel faction manager, essentially, in GLOW. They both, both factions of, like, so there aren't, like, at least not for a long time, there aren't, like, like smaller factions. It's basically, like, good girls and bad girls. And so Aunt Kitty will be, like, the bad girls manager, and eventually we'll get Jackie Stallone as the manager of the good girls. Ah, uh, yes, Mama Rocky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She becomes a... Thought it was a joke the first time they mentioned her. <laughs> Nope. It is. I was like, no way is that Sly's mom. She she is a gym owner and uh, manager of the the, the good gals, the Stallone sweethearts. So it's Hollywood and Vine taking on Tina Ferrari and Ashley Cartier. They are, they don't get last names on this episode. They are just Tina and Ashley, which I assume is to sell the T and A aspect of of their team name. Tina Ferrari is, of course, future WWF Women's Champion Ivory, and this is her first televised match ever. What a, what a lineage. And we got a pre-match promo from Hollywood who says we're going to kick their asses. And I was like, oh my god, they said ass. They don't say ass on WWF programming? Wow. And then two seconds later, we think they suck. We think they're sluts. If you fuck with us, we'll get our friends with on you. And I'm like, what is this show? What the hell? Yeah, you never know, like, what sort of, like, demographic David McLean is appealing to outside of specifically me, because it's, like, (laughs) part of it is very much for, like, little kids, and then the other part is, like, they're trying to be, like, edgy and, like, kind of sexy, but it just, it lands in, like, this weird middle area. Like, there was, um, there was a video segment where it was, like, it showed one of the wrestlers and her name was Jailbait. And it was just, like, this young-looking girl, and this car pulls up, and they're like, hey, baby, I like what you got. And she just, like, throws her garbage inside of the car and kicks the door. And they're like, you're nuts! And they drive off, and I'm like, yo, what kind of, like, like 
stuff happens in David McLean's brain. I want to know because it's like always straddling the line of like banal childlike wonderment and then like weird drunk sleazy uncle. I also feel like as much of a reign as he had over the first like two seasons of glow and like, and with the other like combating influences to add more of the like comedy and shtick stuff. Like I do think the women were just kind of allowed to do what they wanted to do and improv as necessary, just so long that they, as they stayed within like the realm of their characters, which is how you get a a promo where it's like, you're dropping F bombs and calling women sluts because it's just like, I don't know, just like talk as your character. I don't feel like it's super tightly scripted in the, at the, especially not at this stage. Well, and I think I have a theory of who this is for. I think it's for 12 year old boys. Like maybe not explicitly. Um, I certainly enjoyed it, but it, it is that straddling of like both like silly, goofy over the top fun but also kind of sleazy old, there's a lot of butts, <laughs> just a lot of butts, you know, on display. And it's kind of horny, um, but in a very juvenile way. And I think that that is the, that's, that's exactly the right demographic. And that's 12 year old boys. Like that is who might be very into this. No, I think you're on to something entirely. There's an anime that I really like that was kind of pitched with the same thing, where it was like a single magical girl type thing, um, but when she transforms, she gets naked. So it was like, oh, it's for all these like young boys that are like, mm, wow, a cool naked lady cartoon. <laughs> the whiplash of going from Hollywood calling her opponents sluts and dropping an F-bomb to Tammy? Oh my like, god. <laughs> the, fact that those, the fact that those characters exist not only in the same universe, but in back-to-back segments is bizarre. Hollywood's promo was like the highlight of the show for me because it just blew my mind. It, it, it was clear that they just pointed a camera at her and said, you know, just like say, just like say something about your opponents. And she's like, we think they're sluts. If you fuck with us, we'll get our friends on you. And they're like, okay, good. We'll we'll send that to 30 syndicated cable TV stations in 1986. When was the next the next time an f bomb would be dropped on a wrestling show? Would have to be like nine years later in ECW. Maybe. The girls did it first. Sorry, Tommy Dreamer. Sorry, Polly. Dangerously. David McLean Enterprise has got the gold before you did. Hollywood is a legend. That's that's all I'm saying. <laughs> It's true. Although, I mean, to be fair, this this was not seen on the broadcast. This did not actually make it to air. But the, the F-bombs. We're in the arena now. Tina and Ashley make their entrance. They're, they seem like they're like snow bunnies, maybe. They got their little, their little hoods up. They're flirting with the men in the crowd. Everything about Tina and Ashley is interesting because in any other time period, they would seem to be the heels. You know, they're flirting with the men in the crowd. They're really like preening and like showing off during the match. And you think we'd be booing them for being the time, the kind of women that we see all the time in the 90s who were like, oh, they're so full of themselves. They think they're so hot. Boo. But here they're the baby faces because this is the era of Reagan. And we love this stuff. Also, um, I think it's incredible how all of the wrestlers come out and not in a tunnel, not in that little curtain, but they come out of the elevator. <laughs> 
I didn't even clock that until you mentioned that now. Wow. Yeah. I had to go back and watch because I think I first noticed it on this match and I was like, wait a minute, are they all coming out of the elevator? I will also say, um, just as a shout out to Hollywood um, and uh, Jean Besson, uh, she is also she is featured highly in the Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling documentary and she is uh, delightful. So she has a lot of really like fun stories to share. So again, watch the documentary. It's so good. On commentary, David clarifies for us that Hollywood and Vine are the heels. He says they're street girls who grew up. Uh, I don't think that means like street walkers. I think it means like they just grew up on the streets and they like they scrap. Um, that's why they, they named themselves after two, two popular streets. And they're choking uh, Tina and Ashley on the ropes. David's calling them cheaters. Aunt Kitty out of nowhere just attacks David at the commentary table. No, no. like Oh, I think because he's been accusing them of cheating and she's tired of him like ruining their reputation, I guess, or, you know, slandering them. So Aunt Kitty attacks David at the commentary table, but uh, he survives. And then uh, the other, my favorite, other favorite part of the match is all four women are on the mat and they're doing like a wishbone sequence to two of the women's legs. And David's just like, it's robo time. <laughs> They had that in the like the opening like music video like promo ten minute thing, and I was like, I hope that happens in this episode, and it did, and I was delighted. I was like, that is so silly, because it's like they're making like little stars with their legs, like they're in a um, synchronized swimming. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, it looks like one of those like trust <laughs> exercise things where like you have to like lean and like you're like friend across the ropes has to like lean back for you to like do this stretch. It was very like team building exercise. So T and A show off their T and A to the crowd. Hollywood picks up Tina in an airplane spin. Ashley kind of just like bumps into her and Tina falls on top of Hollywood for the pin in 10 minutes and 10 seconds. So, uh, yeah, we're three into the show. The tag division is coming along nicely. I'm sure we'll have tag crowns in the near future because Royal Hawaiian and Spanish Red have picked up a win. Salt and Pepper have picked up a win. Now Tina and Ashley have picked up a win. And now it's time for the main event, for the Glow Crown. Yeah, actually, and a brief side note, um, in the original pilot episode that is not this taped version, uh, there was another tag match. So there were originally four tag matches and then the singles main event. But the thing that we don't see, the match we don't see, is the cheerleaders, Susie Spirit and Debbie Debutante versus Heavy Metal, which is Chainsaw and Spike. And I don't know about the cheerleaders. I can't remember if the, that team, I know Susie Spirit is around, but I don't remember if that they remain a tag team or not. But Heavy Metal, like Chainsaw and Spike, you see a lot in GLOW. But this did not make it to the final tape. Debbie Debbie Taunt sucks. It should have just been Deb U Taunt. Taunt, yes. Like her middle Debbie name is, is is Eustace or something with a weird spell. Debbie Debbie Taunt is, is a terror is terrible for for that exact reason. It completely misses the point of a of a portmanteau. All right, our main event for the Glow Crown: Matilda the Hun, a direct descendant of Attila the Hun, that the record show, taking on Tammy Jones, who's apparently like a toddler. 
Um, She's like Shirley Temple. She was I, I literally have Shirley Temple written down in my notes as well, yes. <laughs> yeah. Emily, yeah. Um, Emily, thank you for saying that. She is terrifying. <laughs> I wanted the uh, well, Matilda, the raw meat lady, to literally eat her. I did not want to see Tammy ever again in my entire life. I wanted her to be swallowed up by the depths of hell. And just, I was like, no, no, that is that that person should not exist on my television. She is uh, so scary. She kind of reminds me of like when people dress up like ventriloquist dolls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, also, uh, I wrote about drag race for the grit and glitter newsletter not too long ago. And the drag queen that won did a Shirley Temple impression for their snatch game, which is like their match game where they do celebrity impressions. And it was kind of the same vibe because Jimbo, the drag queen's name, is like in their uh, like 30s. <laughs> and they yeah. had like the wig and like that tiny little like frilly dress. And we're just like, you're a doo-doo head. Like, it was I got, incredible. I got strong Jimbo doing Shirley Temple vibes. And- yes. I wrote it freaked, down in my notes. <laughs> freaked me out. <laughs> well, she's like one of those, one of those like three feet tall dolls that you know can walk and talk on its own. When they were struck by lightning. <laughs> what were those? Um, there was the my like when we were kids. My size Barbies. Not my size Barbies. It was like my my bro my buddy, and then there was a girl one. And they had like a jingle and they were like life size dolls. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like my body and me or something like that? Yeah, I do. You, remember, I you know what I'm talking about, right? Body, yeah, like the buddy dolls. Yeah. And that's there was a girl they, one. Yeah, like, there was. That's that was her vibe. And I did not care for it. My buddy and kid sister. Yes, that that is what it was. She and she's she was sister. one of those. Except she's the older and, sister. Oh, yeah, because because of uh, little Johnny. Oh my God, she looks just like the kid sister doll too. Like if you look up a kid sister doll, that like clearly is a model for Tammy for Tammy Jones. I liked the teapot song, but oh my God. it was like such a such a crazy juxtaposition from the raw meat, which whips ass. Let's just get that out there. It's so good, and then it's I'm a little teapot. Like wow, you can't. You can't find this anywhere else. This is just this is the graps. I screamed. (laughs) I screamed at the TV like it was a horror movie. I was like, no, no. (laughs) So in the baby face corner, we have Tammy Jones. She looks like a doll that's come to life. She looks like Shirley Temple. She's got big toddler energy. And she's here hoping that her little brother Johnny will walk again after getting the braces off following a terrible auto accident that he was in. On the other side of the ring, we have Matilda, a direct descendant of Matilda Hun, who loves raw meat so much that she wrote a song about it. It was just like, raw meat, raw meat. <laughs> I eat raw meat. I so like good. to eat meat. Yes. Like, um, like there's, like, there's like staccato parts of it, and then there's just... Yeah, it's just like a chorus of it. She was just like putting her makeup on so angrily when it started. It was so good. Like, she was the moment. I eat raw meat. I eat it plain. From the toughest to the tummy, from the rock to the brain. I eat raw meat. I eat it raw. You better give me a beat. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I was supposed to be rooting for Tammy here, but, like, Tammy's got this, like, whole, like, weird vibe going on, this, like, sad, like, backstory, and literally I'm just like, all I want is the meat lady. Like, I'm just, I'm rooting for meat lady. She's big, she's tough, she eats meat, I enjoy these things, I'm rooting for, for Matilda here. Well, the audience was, too. They were chanting raw meat. They weren't saying, Tammy, Tammy, no, they were going raw meat, raw meat, raw meat. Like, they knew what was up. Yeah, they knew, they're weirdos, but not, like, the bad kind. They Only the bad kind of weirdo roots for Tammy Jones. They knew that that lady was just a possessed doll. Yeah, so we go to live to the arena. The crowd is happily chanting raw meat. Matilda towers over Tammy in this match. <laughs> and it's all Matilda to start. She literally picks up Tammy, drops her over the ropes on the apron, kicks her to the floor, body slams her on the floor, hits a standing splash in the ring, but chooses not to pin Tammy because she would rather inflict more punishment. And it seems like she's going to be a squash. It seems like Matilda's got this in the bag. Tammy has no chance. She hasn't got a single bit of offense in yet, but oh no. Oh my God. It's Johnny. He's on crutches, but he's here. And he gives his old sister, his older kid sister, <laughs> he gives her the thumbs up. And now Tammy is hulking up and she's going full Hulk Hogan and then some some parade music starts playing, like a brass, so like some brass music just starts coming in to like signify <laughs> that. <laughs> this is what this is. I got lost a couple of times this episode. But I came back. This is when they lost me for good. Because I'm like, even if I was a 12 year old kid, I would be. I, I would have felt it at age 12. This is below me. I feel like if I was six, it would have been like this is a bit below me. I'm a bit too mature to be watching this. I want you to identify with Matilda more than the adult baby lady. Yeah, I guess I, I don't know. I, I, your point, Harley, and I, I certainly didn't enjoy it in any kind of like sincere, like, like, you know, believing in this moment of uh, change for Tammy. But like, I don't know. It's just goofy. It's just goofy enough. And in this, like, in the realm of this and as creepy as Tammy is, I'm just kind of along for the ride. So it didn't, it didn't bother me any more than any of the other cheesy aspects to this. Yeah. This kind of like sealed it for me. I was like, uh, it's one of those things where I pretend that like, you know, the, one of the best things about glow and wow. And uh, honestly, anything from David McLean enterprises is, is kind of like, it makes you really look at the worst, like cheesiest parts of wrestling is like these really like, broad tropes and it's like oh man this is all it really is like you can distill anything down to matilda the hun versus tammy jones or whatever her name was can i tell you guys what i i really wanted to happen um at the moment that little timmy little whatever his name was little johnny i wrote it down yeah little johnny came out (laughs) so little johnny (laughs) comes out and he's on his crutches and what I wanted more than anything was Matilda to come out and just take that kid's crutches. Oh, my God. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> just for her to, like, jump out of the ring, take his crutches. And, like, he's, like, 
falls over because I'm a bad person, you see. And no, that's this, what you're supposed to think. This is what I wanted. And that and then maybe the terrifying doll lady gets back her courage. But just getting a thumbs up, that's not enough. She like the kid has to suffer some more. And it would have been very funny to watch that kid just fall over. Because he was yeah, I mean, he was fine. Like it was just a kid. Yeah, I actually I think that that would have as funny and macabre as it could have come off. I do think it would have been a better storytelling device to have Tammy like Hulk up out of anger at Matilda harming her brother than just the boy being like, "You can do it, Tammy," and her like getting the energy from that. I would have I I would have almost rooted for Tammy at that point because it would have been like, okay, well she has a like a legit reason to like get like super angry and and potentially win this match. As it was, it was just like. Seeing her brother on crutches just to me didn't didn't work in a in a uh, true motivation sense. I felt satisfied that she bit Matilda on the nose, and it's kind of like you have to give in to that cannibalism that you were threatened by to win. She did, but uh, with the camera angle, the way it was at first, I was like, is she like, did she just plant one on her? Is she like Frenching herself free? I thought they were kissing. Yeah, yeah I thought they were kissing yeah. for sure. Matilda's choking her, and Tammy just starts making out with her to convince yeah, her to I drop her. Love conquers all. And that's a power it. move right there. Oh yeah, I mean yeah. that's true. Like, We've seen that in wrestling. Have some tongue. But I took it immediately, immediately Perfect. as um as biting because to me it's like a little girl move. I'm just like I'm gonna bite you. I mean I have a three and a half. She lost the baby too. So. <laughs> So she frees herself with the biting. Tammy hits a crossbody from the second rope. Matilda clearly kicks out, but the referee counts it anyway. And Tammy is the glow champion in eight minutes and two seconds. Little little Tammy did it. They come out, they put the crown on her head. They give her a dozen roses. And then the locker room empties and everybody brawls. The end. There's no, like, talking hands over, too. (laughs) And of course, like you, as will often happen in uh, the first couple of seasons of Glow, you get the wrestlers manhandling David McLean because this dude just secretly really wants to just beat up, get beaten up by women like over and over again. Absolutely. I mean, who, secretly, it's who's among us? Who's among us doesn't? We're not going to judge here. This is not a place of judgment. I'm just calling it the way I see it. You are among friends, David McLean. So that was it. That. That pilot episode, 30, 30 different TV stations in 1986 saw that hour of compelling television and said, yes, I'll put that on my network. I will pay you for the rights to, to air Tammy versus Matilda the Hun and <laughs> knock off clans women. And how long does GLOW run for? Like three seasons? Uh, four seasons. Give four or, seasons. Or I mean... Yeah, four legit seasons. There ends up being like a pseudo pay-per-view. Um, and there are different incarnations of like Glow-esque product from David McClain. Because after season two, him and a lot of the core roster split and they form a different thing. There's it's a whole extended glow inverse that yeah. we there's don't now, have time to delve there's into. Wow, there's, yeah. there's now, there's so many. So, yeah, 
but the the but glow itself lasts for about four seasons. And then there's like a reincarnation too. There's a revival in 2001. And that doesn't it doesn't really last. Well, yeah, and of all the women that we saw in this episode, Tina Ferrari is really the only one who goes on to continue wrestling outside of Glow for any considerable length of time. One or two of the other women, you know, wrestle like wrestle like five or six matches for one other promotion afterwards. But for the most part, they were just here. They were here as the stars of Glow, and that's it. Yeah, a couple of the women will would do time in Japan, would like wrestle over there. Um, but yeah, I, I think virtually the only one that people had known in wrestling beyond like their glow characters was yeah was Ivory. So yeah, there's almost but, like a weird like thing with people that go into David McLean products. Like they don't like stay in wrestling very much. Interesting. <laughs> I mean. I guess it, it will. It's kind of interesting to see now, like with Wow, like they're using, they do use wrestlers. They use mainly wrestlers. Yeah, yeah. That's that's honestly, I think one of the best boons of it, because like David McLean's little like world that he like lives in, his bubble is fine. But sometimes I think it's also like one of the biggest hindrances for his product is like his inability to take like maybe outside advice. Like I guess. AJ McLean's not going to be, or Mendez, McLean's the Backstreet Boy, my bad. Um, Mendez isn't going to be back for the next season of WOW, and it kind of bums me out, because I felt like she really, like, legitimized a lot of it, and did a lot to, like, uplift the women, and, like, she would try to, like, ask David McLean questions about the characters and, like, their motivations sometimes, and he would just be like, whoa, AJ, if your hair was made out of Laffy Taffy, would you eat it? Or something stupid like that like go off on his thing so I don't know it's one of those things where I'm like oh if I ran the zero that's how I'd do it alright that is our show Thank you for journeying with us back to 1986 and the glory days of women's wrestling. It's clearly been all downhill since this. Thank you for listening and supporting this little podcast for four whole years. We're not giving up. We're making new friends every week. We're going to keep going. You can find us on Twitter or Instagram at GritGlitterPod. You can support us on Patreon at Patreon.com slash GritGlitterPod. One dollar a month gets you a weekly newsletter written by your friends in the Glitterati. $5 gets you bonus podcasts. We have Women's Wrestling Entertainment, where Emma and I trace the history of women's wrestling in WWE. And we've covered all of this time period. You can go see us covering what was happening for the women in WWE at the same time this glow stuff was happening and beyond. Plus archive podcasts from the past, all sorts of things. Yeah, I mean, if you're interested in, in at least a couple episodes of Grit, Glitter, and Glow, it's where me and our former Glitterati member and still friend of the show, Val Quartz, cover Netflix's Glow while also working in a lot of the history of the original Glow series and also what was happening in women's wrestling during the time of the first season of Netflix's Glow. And there's a lot of interesting, like, overlaps and, like, curious things that were happening at that time. So, yeah, definitely check it out. I think there's at least three episodes posted where we cover the first, like, five or six episodes of this of the first season. And, uh, yeah, 
hopefully one day we'll pick it back up. Valcourt is a very in-demand person, so you can understand why maybe we've had to go on hiatus for a little while. Lindsay, where can people find you online these days? Yeah, um, I actually am on Blue Sky. I have like five invite codes if anyone wants to go on there. I log on like once a week. Um, I'm on Threads and Instagram at Lindsay Raygun, R-A-E-G-U-N, and Lindsay is L-A-N-D-S-A-Y. And new friend Emily, where can people find you online? I don't make anything um, anymore, but um, you can find me on X, formerly known as Twitter, and I hate saying that um, my username is girl underscore librarian I don't tweet very much anymore but you can follow me there and I have a blue sky invite that I have not used so I will eventually move over there um, and one day maybe I'll make stuff again and you can see the stuff that I do on those apps but for now just I guess support your local library and that's good enough this Saturday in syndication, if you want to see what David McLean is up to these days, it is the season premiere, season nine of WOW Superheroes. Some of our good friends are over there wrestling their hearts out. Go track that show down if it airs in your market. And next week, we'll be back for another year of grit and glitter. It's still back to school month. We'll still be making some new friends. Em and I are going to be joined by our new friend, Erica, to cover Montreal promotion IWS.